Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC sports. Let's go. Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. Eric McLean, it is officially talking season. I'm so excited. Was that, were you channeling, were you going back to the Texas days there? A little bit. Talking you know, season. We, we, we have a great guest who maybe may not have had spent some time there. Perhaps. And then you just go straight Texas mode on me. But I love talking season, Kelly Gramlich. And that was a little hot. Sorry if I just blew your guys' No, do out. it. Um, this is one of my favorite times. And I'll tell you why. Because... Number one, I basically talked my way into being first team preseason all ACC. You did. You totally I had did. One start in my career before that, just changing positions all over the offensive line. I have never, you know, I should not have been on that list. And it was a big number. And I think, honestly, I don't think I know. It was because I was at Media Day. I talked to everybody. Everybody loved me. And they're like, oh, man, we're going to vote for this Mac Lane guy. And I see it on there. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Now I got to go prove it. And then, you know, it was unanimous by the end of the year, which is super cool. But Uh it was just kind of, it was just one of those things like, okay, I talked my way into this thing. Now let's go and prove it. And uh, I'm excited. I cannot wait for those listening. If you're listening today, it's Wednesday. We are about to start media days. Let's go, Kelly Gramlich. Before we get to our epic and amazing guest, which uh, this guest today is awesome. I would like to mention this, Mac, because this made me laugh so hard. And it's a compliment, but the beginning just, it it floored me, honestly. I was looking at our reviews because I thought, oh, is anyone, like, what are they saying? Maybe, you know, something we could improve upon, perhaps. And this was, it's, okay, you you figured it out. C-H-P-N-J-O-E. Chip and Joe. It's Chip Chip and Joe. It has to be. It's got to be Chip and Joanna. But that's their username. This was a review a couple days ago. They gave us five stars, and they said this. I like both of these guys, but no disrespect. I did not expect this podcast to be this good. <laughs> it has now become one of my favorite podcasts. Do yourself a favor and give it a try. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This review, say, it truly made me laugh, Matt. When, That's when great. you tagged me in that on Twitter, I physically LOL'd. I laughed out loud. <laughs> I was like, this is the best thing ever. And then that's Kelly Gramlich when I zoomed in and was like, wait a minute. It's that Chip says and Chip and Joe. If this is Chip and Joanna Gaines, number one, I love you. Thank you for listening. Uh, number two, if it's not, uh, just hit us up on Twitter and we, we'd love to talk to you. Thank you for the great review. Uh, but Kelly, listen, we are wrapping up our guest list here with two absolute legends. It's been a really fun summer. We've had mm-hmm. some awesome guests and and really have been blessed, happy, lucky to get the people that we have. It's been really, really fun. But we're going to finish it off with two head coaches who I believe you and I both think are going to be squaring off in Charlotte in December. And we're starting with the Coastal and Media Day. So we're going to start with the Coastal side with these two interviews this week, the Atlantic next week. But we're talking with Mac Brown and Kelly. I know this is huge for you. Texas for freaking ever. <laughs> coach Brown has served as a head coach for 32 seasons, guys, with stops at App State, Tulane, Texas, and now UNC twice. Over that time, Coach Brown has a record of 259 and 132 and 1. So he has that tie. I need to do some research and see what that was. Yeah, we need to figure out the tie. It's going to be interesting when I find that out. It better not be some just 
awful team. It might be Oklahoma, to be honest. But anyway, that leads all active coaches, and he is seventh all time with 259 wins. Did I fangirl in this interview? Yes. Not as much as I yes. thought you would, to be honest. Well, I got to be, be somewhat a of, a, of a professional. You did well. If it was my like childhood hero, I would have freaked out the whole time. Yeah, Mac, I tried to keep it together. Mac Brown continued a remarkable turnaround in year two of his return to Carolina, leading the Tar Heels from two wins in 2018 to the Orange Bowl in 2020. Carolina, which went eight and four, spent much of the season ranked in the top 25, finishing the regular season at number 13 in the college football playoff rankings. This marked just the second time since Brown's departure in 1997 that Carolina finished a season in the top 25. Under his guidance, Carolina produced four All-Americans, 13 All-ACC selections, a top 15 recruiting class, and averaged a 3.0 GPA over the spring and fall semesters. Guys, Mac is back, and we absolutely love this interview. We know you guys will, too. Let's get to it. One of my favorite coaches, favorite people to cover, not only in the ACC, but this great conference, Coach Mac Brown. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. I love you guys, except for some of your background, and we'll get you counseling. <laughs> and you can get some help for that. Move forward. But that's uh, right. Just don't look it, over here. This is all no, Carolina I, blue. I see don't that look. big that big line jersey right in front of me. And <laughs> Kelly was such a great player at Clemson. So I, I got all this. I understand that's right. where we're coming from here. That's but right. You guys are doing a great job with the ACC Network, and we we appreciate the coverage so much. And sounds like Commissioner. Phillips is even going to amp that up in the fall, and then that's going to be exciting for all of us. No question about it, as he should. This conference just has so much great tradition, great football. I'm excited to see the direction of the ACC under his leadership and, and where we can really go. But right when we jump in, I, I want to go back about two years ago, I think it was, on the huddle. You were telling us a story about you deciding to come back and come into coaching. And I believe Miss Sally told you when you retired Listen, if you decide to come back, there's only two places that we can go, Hawaii and Chapel Hill. Is that right? Is that what she told you? Eric, that's close. We're in, we're in the ballpark. <laughs> we actually were out for three, four, five years and four years, I guess, and uh, had job opportunities every year. And when you've been a head coach for 30 years and you've moved your bride from Chapel Hill that she loved out to Austin, which is a wonderful place, too. Then you start thinking about if we do this again. So she's got more involvement that second time, Kelly. She says, okay, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. So a couple of jobs that called and she said, are you kidding me? I'm not living there. So I, I got it. <laughs> That's fair. And then all of a sudden we, we get into the Hall of Fame and they say it takes a year to be inducted. And I said, why? And they said, you need to go tell everybody thank you. That, that got you in. So we went back to Tulane. We went back to Appalachian. We had a great party at Texas. So we come back to Chapel Hill. We're, we're upstairs two years ago, nearly two years ago to the day here, early early August, and we just have a blast. All the players are back, and, and they're making up lies like you all do about your coaches, and it can't be that bad. And I couldn't have said that. That's right. That. That's right. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it was fun, and we're walking out, and Sally said, uh, I haven't seen you have this much fun since you left Texas. This is you. You love these young people. You love mentoring them. And she said, okay, I'll make you a deal. I said, what's that, Sally? And she says, you can coach in Hawaii. Obviously, we aren't going to Hawaii. Todd Graham texted me and said, hey, back off the Hawaii thing. Says you can you can coach in the Bahamas. I said, sweetie, they don't even have football. She says, well, <laughs> we'll start a team, the Bahama Iguanas, but I love the beach. She said, or you can come back to Chapel Hill. Well, we love Larry Fedora. He, he 
had a five-year contract. We never dreamed that we would be back here. So we said, I got it. So I figured, Kelly, I was through and, and just went back to work. And I was actually sitting on the set of Who's In with ESPN. And I just picked Oklahoma as one of the four teams. And one of the guys said, um, you just made everybody mad in the state of Texas. And I said, you know, I've done that before. Well, that, that's, that's not any big deal. I, I, can, I can handle that part. And then I'm leaving the set and Bubba Cunningham called and said, will you be our coach? And I said, what happened to Larry? And he said, we parted ways. And, and I said, you know, we're not very good. So I, you, you got to commit to this thing and, and we've got to be good or I'm not coming back. I can't lose. I, I just can't handle it. I can't emotionally stand it. So Kelly, you'll love this. I picked up the phone. It was 10 o'clock in Austin, Texas. It was 11 in Bristol, Connecticut. And I said, uh, Sally, you said Hawaii. You said Bahamas. You said Chapel Hill. Well, Chapel Hill just called and offered us the job. Wow. And she said, or, you're not going to interview for jobs. I said, no. They said they don't want me to interview. They just want me to take the job. What do you think? So she goes, hmm, let's do this. Come on. And, and the next day by 3 o'clock, we were in Chapel Hill getting ready for a noon press conference on Tuesday. And we just had an absolute blast for, for two straight years. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a great story. Happened. See, and coach, I appreciate that you called, you called your wife and you said, all right, you make, you make the call here. You got to tell me it's good. I appreciate that coach. Well, thank good you, stuff. Kelly. I've already been divorced once. I can't afford it again. <laughs> I'm out. I'm sucking up. And, and very honestly, and it, it is hard for young couples, but mm. I picked up and she was the leading developer in Chapel Hill area. And she, she had to leave her business. She had to, to drop everything in her life to follow me. And I realized when that was really very difficult for her. You, you go from being a prominent business lady to the head coach's wife. And uh, this time I wasn't going to have any part of it. I, I wanted to, to make sure it was best for her too. So smart, coach. I'm, look, I want to buy some Bahama iguana gear. I got to figure out where I can get that gear. <laughs> I love that. All right, coach, before we talk a little more football, you were kind of telling us about this before we got on the podcast, but it's interesting because you've had so much success at different programs and you said, you know, you were out for a while and now you're back and things have changed. I mean, you're on TikTok now. Like, what is it? What is different between being a head coach in 2021 versus 05 when you won your national title at Texas? There are some differences, Kelly, but there's more similarities. Mm. You, you, you still have a purpose and, and your purpose hasn't changed. It's to help guide young people. It, it puts you in a position where you you want to win all the games, you want to do what's best for your university, uh, but you want to help these guys for the rest of their life, and it becomes your extended family. We have, have a little saying, it's not a four-year decision, it's a 40-year decision. Now, I'm having to extend that a little bit to a 50-year decision with some of these guys that, that I coached at a very early age, uh, but the the purpose gives you something to do every morning. I'm in better shape. I've got more energy. I'm, I'm more driven. I'm, I'm happier. Uh, I love TV. I love ESPN and, and ABC. But at the same time, I didn't feel like I won. I didn't feel like I was helping enough people. And that's my deal. It's like Sally said, that that's who I am and what I, what I want to do. I think parents are different than they were five years ago or seven years ago when I was coaching. The, there's a lot more drive to get to the NFL and NIL and what can I get for me? And there was when we grew up with team. So that's different. But the players still want to be driven. They, they want to be pushed. They, they want to graduate. They, they want to uh, excel. They want to win all the games. They want to play in the NFL. So 
they haven't changed to me. People talk about the, the transfer portal. Would I have done it like the NCAA did it? No. But at the same time, if somebody doesn't want to be here, let's help them. Let's get them out. I, I tell them I got a, a sheet with a portal in it in my pocket all the time. If you're not happy, man, sign it here. We'll get you going. And at the same time, Kelly, we want to help them find the right place to go. We want you happy. Life's too short. So if you're not playing and our coaches don't feel like you deserve to play and you want to leave, that's fair. It doesn't mean our coaches are right, but that's what they think. So that's what the transfer portal is is about. And our coaches have said, how do you coach them anymore? They can leave anytime they want, Eric. And I said, get the right ones that want to be at your school and they want to graduate and they're less likely to leave. And that's why we usually recruit so close to home. I love that, Coach. I think a lot of wisdom in that answer. I think obviously a guy who has been there, done that, uh, to, to say, hey, go ahead. If, if you don't want to be here, you know, go somewhere where you do because, again, life's too short. And you also touch on recruiting there, and that's kind of where I wanted to go next because you guys have been on an absolute tear, and it's been more than impressive. And I remember the, the just silliness uh, when you first took the job of, oh, he's not going to be able to recruit. He can't connect with these young people. And, man, you've done that at an unbelievable level. And I think you did it the right way in the fact that you started in-state and you're keeping these in-state guys I've asked you about this before, but just talk to us about how important that was and and maybe even the first initiative in recruiting to say, okay, we're going to put up a wall around North Carolina and these guys aren't leaving. Eric, it's funny you would say that about when I first got here because it was funny. I I wasn't reading a lot of stuff and all that. People were telling me they're saying you're going to be drooling in a year and you'll fall asleep in the rooms and recruiting. and, And then some of our competitors call me a granddad and I thought, you know, I am. (laughs) That's right. I've got six grandkids. I'm proud of that. So I love my grandkids. So thank you. That's a cool thing uh, that I can coach in front of my grandkids and they love that too. Uh, But again, it's, it's not about the age to me after being back in, if you can have the wonderful experiences that I've had good and bad and have passion and have energy, it works. The reason they don't want older people coaches, they think you're too tired and can't stay up and don't have energy. I got that. So when people would question whether I would have all that or not, I I totally understand. I've got more energy right now than I had when I quit at Texas because I got to rest. I got got to get in better shape for five years. I got to learn new things, and and it was fun for me. and, and we have a wonderful product. Chapel Hill's a, a great college town. It's, it's one of the best academic institutions in the country. Um, we, we have won here at times. We haven't won consistently, but it, we were fourth in the country when I left. Uh, the facilities are great. The fans have all bought in. I'm so lucky that I'm familiar with the place. The vice president was my manager. So it's a little crazy when when I see all these people around. I get tired of them, Kelly, saying, yeah, I was a sophomore when you were here before. I said, hey, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, now they're my boss. I said, look, just take a deep breath. Kevin Gustowitz, our chancellor, was uh, uh, he, he was in the medical staff working with me on research wow. for, for concussions. <laughs> I, I laughed uh, the other day when he said, yeah, I asked Mac in 1994 if I could help. I said, yeah, I knew I'd be coming back. I knew you'd be the chancellor. So sure, I want you to help it set this thing up for the future. And then I'm at a a wonderful time in my life where 
I didn't come back because I have to win all the games and I didn't come back because I have to have more money. I can actually do what all of us want to do. I can have fun and I can do what's best for the young people because I can make decisions that's best for them. And uh, Kelly, women are smarter than men and that, that's without question. Obviously. I was sitting around padding, pouting last spring and Sally said, are you okay? You look down and I said, yeah, but, you know, what are we doing? I came back to coach these guys. I don't even get to see them. I don't know if we're going to have a season. I don't get to have staff meetings. I mean, this is just crazy. And she said, maybe you came back to lead. Maybe you came back to step up for these young guys at a time where, where our, our world is really struggling. Maybe you came back to help social justice at a time where there's some despicable things that are happening. So maybe you should wake up and start thinking about all the positive things that you can be doing instead of all the problems that you've got because you don't have your little world like you want it. So I think I got chewed out and it, and it was really healthy because it, she, she was right on in, in every phase. I think we all had that moment a little bit last year of, okay, we got to make the best of this. And it's kind of sounds like what, what you're talking about, coach. I want to ask you about, you know, you have the football field behind you in your background um, and everyone nationally talks about Sam Howell and they're expecting a huge year from Sam. You have coached some great quarterbacks growing up in Austin. I was obsessed with Colt McCoy. I was a Colt McCoy person. If he doesn't get hurt in that national championship, we all know what happens. But anyway, what do you what do you see with Sam Howell? Like what you've coached some great ones. What stands out to you about him? What makes him elite? Number one, Kelly, when you you walk in the room as the quarterback, you need to get everybody's attention. Everybody stops to look because that's the guy. He's got the it factor. And Sam has that. He he was so cool in the spring game, his first spring here. And I said, ooh, ooh, I think he, he may be really good. Uh, he won the South Carolina game with a behind 20 to nine in his opener. He comes back and beats Miami on a, a fourth and 17 in his second game. So I can tell he he's, he's very confident and he's a, a coach's kid. So that matters too. The other thing that's so important at quarterback is accuracy. And he, he's got a tremendous deep ball, but he's, he's got the quick arm and he's very accurate when, um, uh, Colt's one of my favorites too, but when Colt McCoy was our quarterback at Texas, at one time he was completing 81%, I think, and we would never see a ball hit the ground in practice. I mean, he was that accurate. If, and if it did, it's cause somebody dropped it. And I thought that was the way practice was supposed to be. So after that, some, when the ball would hit the ground, I'd go nuts. Come on, man. Ball's not supposed to hit the ground. And Sam does that. We can go through practice without the ball hitting the ground. He is so accurate and he's, he's driven. He's passionate. He's, uh, he's uh, over a 3.0. He just got baptized. He's very religious. He, he, he has uh, finally got a girlfriend, but it, uh, I asked him the first Valentine's Day, you got a date tonight? And he said, yes, sir, Madden. I'll be with Madden ah. in the room. And he said, I'm going to win, but it's going to be competitive, but we're both going to get along and we're not going to have any arguments and, and it's not going to cost a lot of money. Uh, and he was serious. So uh, he's just special. He, he's worked on his weight. He's worked on his flexibility. He, he's working on getting the ball out of his hands better. And you two were, were great athletes. And, and to do that, you've always got to be your, your worst critic. 
and I, I got it. I'm doing well, but what can I do better? And that's Sam. Sam is always wanting to do better, and, and that's so key. Uh, even with NIL to show you what kind of person he is, his first opportunity was to feed underprivileged kids in, in Chapel Hill. And, and that's at a time where everybody's talking about me and I and how much can I make and what yeah. can I get? Uh, he's giving instead of getting. So all of those things make him really, really special. And the last thing I'd say, Kelly, is your, your best leader better be your hardest worker. And, and he is as hard a worker on our, as there is on our team. And he's up in this office more than I am. So uh, that's how hard he works and how much he loves football. I love that, Coach. And I think it's so interesting when you have guys that just get it, that just understand, that are pros before they're pros. Uh, and you just checked all those boxes that I think everyone is going to be looking at this entire year as he's going through this pre-draft process. If he decides to leave this year, I know he could have uh, two or three more years with these new COVID rules if he wanted to. Um, one question I had about Sam, and, and you kind of touched on it uh, when you were rattling off the things about him, about getting the ball out quicker. Has that been kind of the biggest thing that he's worked on this offseason just to eliminate some of those sacks? Because you and I both know, and Kelly knows, that negative plays can hurt an offense so bad that if we can take away half of those, just throw the ball away or check it down, you know, what could our offense look like? Has that kind of been what he's, I guess, worked on most this offseason physically on the field play? Yes, our offense has been so good over the last two years, and it's been fun. It's been very productive. We still need to be more productive in the red zone. I hate field goals. I just hate them. It's a win for the defense. Me too. Trust me. <laughs> it is. It's the uh, if, if a defense holds somebody to a field goal, that's a that's a positive stop for them, which is really crazy that it's gotten to that point. And the other thing for us has been sacks. We have not been a turnover ridden team. Uh, and part of the thing I think, Eric, in studying it, Sam is so competitive. He's so strong in his lower body that in high school. He would hold the ball and fight people off and wait till the last minute and still make a throw. And he's got bigger, faster guys chasing him now. So we're telling him it, it is not an awful thing to, to throw the ball out of bounds and, and punt. Um, and, and sacks kill you. If you, you get a sack, you usually don't overcome it. I mean, it's like, a, it's like a huge penalty, except you don't get the down back. So we, we've talked about uh, doing a better job with our play selection so he doesn't hold the ball. Uh, we've talked about uh, really stressing the offensive line and tight ends doing a better job, but we also have asked Sam to to make a conscious decision to get the ball out of his hands faster, and, and he really worked on that this spring and did a good job. Uh, that's amazing. I can't wait to see it. I know it's going to really take his game uh, to another level. And and you talk about the offense and how explosive, how productive, you know, you guys have been. It, it's been tremendous to see. A lot of that talent and production is going to be playing on Sundays now. A lot of guys left. You have your whole offensive line back, obviously offensive coordinator and quarterback, which is a very key part that I think some people uh, tend to look over quickly. Uh, but who are some of these guys that are going to be stepping in? You know, we saw the Texas A&M game, some flashes. Josh Downs did an unbelievable job, was put in a bunch of different positions. Uh, Coffrey Brown, obviously a burner. But who are some other guys that maybe we don't quite know about that, hey, come Saturday, you know, get ready to watch these guys score a lot of touchdowns and, and make big plays for you guys. Well, Eric, let's start on defense because Chad Surratt's the only guy we lose. And uh, Eugene Asante came in the, the Orange Bowl game and was our leading tackler. I love that guy, by the way. I'm very excited to fly. see him play. He can fly and loves to play. And he's 
He is the, the thing you love about young people. He worked hard and he kept his mouth shut. He prepared himself, but Tommy Thigpen did a tremendous job of getting him ready. And then when his time came, we've, we've all been told in our whole lives in sports, be ready. When that opportunity comes, you better be ready to step up. And he did that. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about him and us gaining more depth on defense through our recruiting. Offensively, I think we're more we're, we're better in the offensive line than we've been, Eric. It's unbelievable. This will be the third straight year all of these guys have started except for um, Charlie. And uh, Charlie Heck went to the, the Texans. Everybody else has played every game for two years and will be back for next year. So Stacey Searles is having a blast coaching the same guys, and it, and it really helps us. Our tight end, Garrett Walston's back. He was one of those super seniors. Um, and, and obviously, Sam's back. we got to find the guy behind him. But the thing I think will look more like we did two years ago because nobody knew Michael Carter and Javante Williams, and nobody knew Daz Newsom and, and Deami Brown. And they were talented, but they were young, and nobody knew who they were. That's kind of where we are now. And you've got guys like Josh Downs, who I think has a, a chance to be a, a great player. He's tremendously talented and tough and, and loves to play and hard to cover in the slot. You've got a lot of guys that have played, Emory Simmons and, and, and uh, Bo Corrales and those guys that have been around. Uh, but we haven't seen much of Antoine Green. He broke his leg a couple of years ago, right before we got here. And he's really been slow in recovering. We're seeing some progress out of him this spring. So we hope that he'll step up and, and, and do some things that could be fun for us. At running back, you're, you're not going to replace the two you had. They're really, really talented. But we were so fortunate to get the one grad transfer we took as Ty Chandler. And he came in from Tennessee, and I think he's sixth on the all-purpose, all-time rushing and, and list. Fifth, Jeremy just pointed to me and said, don't be stupid. Um, so he, he's fifth on that list, um, and he's a kick returner. He can catch. He's physical. He fits perfectly in our offense, and we've got some other backs that, that can step up too, but we, we didn't want to go to Virginia Tech uh, with a, a young back that's wild-eyed and might fumble three times because he hadn't been in that environment before, and this guy's played against Auburn, Alabama, and Tennessee, and Florida, so he, he's not going to be scared when he steps out there. Uh, so I really feel like that we're, we're – we, we got some things we got to replace, but because we've recruited well, because guys have been working and, and playing, that we're not going to drop off near as much as people think we are. Coach, a few more for you because we know you've got a busy week coming up with ACC Media Days and everything. You are used to buzz. You know how to handle the buzz. I thought last year when you guys got in the top five and there was a lot of buzz, it felt like a young team, a young program at times. So how do you get your program ready to handle the hype? Because the hype train has left the station with UNC. <laughs> uh, Kelly, there's no doubt. And uh, I've been with Buzz and I've been without Buzz. It's a lot more fun to be <laughs> with Buzz. So you you want to be the yeah. coolest team and that's fun for your fans. And, and we just sold out all the season tickets. So uh, that that's so fun. We were one of the seven teams, I think, to have complete sellouts for every game in, in 2019. So our fans have bought in. I challenged them when I got here, and I said, hey, don't, don't say you want to have the best team in the country if you're not the best fans. So keep your mouth shut, buy tickets, show up, and, and then we'll talk. <laughs> I love that. that. They've been wonderful, but but it wasn't that way, and and they're doing such a great job. So we've told the players that you 
you you get in a position where you go to Florida State, you're fifth in the country. And I might have made a mistake, Kelly. I said, you know, you're not really fifth in the country. There's two leagues not playing. So come on, man. I mean, so so let's don't get a, ourselves uh, in a position here we think we're better than we are. And then we stood around the first half and got kicked by Florida State and tried to come back and, and weren't mature enough to do that. And then we have a little bit of the same thing happen at Virginia, even though Virginia had played better and got their quarterback back. And, and I understood that. But then we go play Notre Dame and, and we're even at halftime. And we've got a chance, a number two team in the country. So, okay, maybe we're growing up some. Maybe, maybe we have got a chance to be a national program. And then we look up and they just absolutely whipped us the second half and took that away from us. Then we go play Miami and have a wonderful night against the number 10 team in the country. So we say, okay. I think y'all just scored another rushing touchdown, actually. I, I think yeah. I see that. Understatement. <laughs> wonderful, yeah. That, that was a good night. <laughs> and then we go to AM and we lose four of our top five best players. And, and we think, okay, let's go back and do it. But with five minutes left, we're in the middle of the, the AM game. Even with Notre Dame, there's a minute 12 left when they score to put it away. So what we've told our guys is you know what the expectations are. You want to be a top 10 team, a legitimate top 10 team, not one with two leagues not playing. Then here's who you got to beat. So you can't take AM to the fourth quarter. And you can't take um, Notre Dame to the fourth quarter and get beaten down. And you can't lose on the road to Florida State when you're supposed to win or, or at Virginia. This is hard. So understand that, that uh, this is fun. I love all the preseason hype. All it's doing, Kelly, is making all these other schools circle our name because they're getting sick and tired of hearing us. And I got that. I, I totally understand. Uh, so we've told them, let's, let's have a three-game season. Let's keep our mouth shut and let's go to work. And you beat Virginia Tech on the road, which North Carolina's had trouble with. You beat Georgia State at home on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which is kind of interesting to all of us. I think that was 20 years ago. And, and then you, you've got Virginia coming in and, and they've beaten us the two years we've been here. So uh, let, let's don't be talking about national till we start beating the teams on the front end of our schedule. After three weeks, I'll start talking to you again. And and we'll see what happens the next three or four weeks. But let's let's see who we are here, uh, and and not just let the media talk about who we are. We got to show who we are. So it's time to keep our mouth shut and start playing. Coach, I I love that man. I'm so fired up over here. Uh, if you couldn't tell, I'm a big Carolina guy. I can't wait to be with you guys. A little a, bit of a homer in a Matt. month or so. A little bit of a homer. I've, I've been say. called that a bunch. Uh, like but we're that. excited that's for you this da- season. When, when Dabo gets mad at you for bragging on us so much, <laughs> no, no, we're good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But coach, thank you so much for joining us. This was uh this was a ton of fun. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Kelly. And you all have a, a great rest of your summer. And fall will be here before we know it. I got to be honest. Well, first of all, this is very confusing because you're Mac and Coach Mac Brown, even though I would only call him Coach, I would never address him as Mac. That's disrespectful. He's Mac 1, I'm Mac 2. So <laughs> just say one or two. Just say one or two. <laughs> well, we appreciate his time so much. We know that he's probably getting requests all the time. And uh, shout out Eric McElane for making that happen and pulling some strings. The fact that Coach even referenced that he knows I'm from Austin played hoops. I mean, he, he does his, his research. He, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to even have any idea 
who I am. I know he knows who you are, Mac, but that's really cool of him. And when I mentioned that Texas would have won in 09 if Colt had not gotten hurt and he gave me a amen, that was a cool moment. I was happy about that. <laughs> you knew it was real. And, hey, look, I, I just sent a text. It was all our guy, Jeremy Sharp, the SID there. Thank you, Jeremy, for making it happen. Uh, just because Coach is one of the best. And, and he clearly is. he worked for ESPN and ABC, so he he has that uh, that that thing, that it factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just takes it to another level now that he's back in coaching. And so many fun stories. I mean, just hearing about Sam Howe's progression, hearing the, so- the story about him – actually coming back to Carolina. I had not heard the full extent of mm-hmm. kind of how all that happened. And man, I'm excited he's back. I know he's going to, you know, serve that, that great university for many more years and just excited to see him at media day and later this fall. It really cracked me up when he was saying all these great things about Sam Howell. And he said, and he finally got a girlfriend. I was like, dang, coach. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Dragging Sam right there. This guy, <laughs> this kid couldn't get a date. I mean, I was That's so right. worried for him. <laughs> I think it's more so the maturity level of him perhaps, saying, okay, perhaps. I'm going to put down the video controller right. <laughs> every other night and maybe start having human interaction with other humans. So I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. <laughs> All right, Mac. It's time for this or that. We are coming to the end of summer, kind of. I mean, if you live where we live, you know it's going to be blazing hot for another three <laughs> months right. or whatever. But the start of football season is around the corner. So I've got to ask, and you know all about this, okay? I can tell you what I prefer as a fan, (laughs) but you can tell me what you prefer as a player. What was your favorite time to play a football game in in college? Was it the noon kickoff or was it the night game, the 8 p.m. kickoff under the lights? Which one did you prefer? I've got to tell you, KG, my um, thought process on this did change. It, It was when I was a young whippersnapper uh, just a young youngling on the Clemson football young team. Buck. I wanted every game to be played at night. I wanted nighttime in Death Valley. I wanted the stadium rocking. Uh, just the environment is different at night. It just is. When I got older and a little bit more tired at night and want to see my family. Became a grandpa. Noon, that's right. Noon kickoff is the best. We wake up. We go play football. I go home. It's great. And sometimes the sun even is still up. Uh, so that was my favorite for the, uh, we'll say, majority of the year. So I'm going with noon kickoff. Um, I'm excited to see, hear your perspective, though, from the uh, the fan side. Well, it's interesting. I'll say, so just quickly as a player, because we we weren't playing on Saturdays. On Sundays, we'd play at noon generally, and on Thursdays, we'd play at 7. I much preferred noon because, and you remember this from your high school days, Mac, going to class on a game day is just, ugh. Like, okay. So look, lame. We're there to play school. Mac and I were both very good students, but I can't really focus on a game day. Like I've got so many other things going through my mind. So I much preferred noon because you get up, like you said, you don't have time to really sit around and think about the game. You just go play. And I always preferred that. Now as a fan, Mac, give me a night game. Are you kidding? (laughs) Are you kidding? I, I need, I need ample time to tailgate. Okay. If it's noon, Living in Greenville, the hubby and I are packing up the car. We're trying to get down to the tailgate spot. You got to get there super early. And it's just, it's an early day. I want to ease into my football experience, Mac. I got to ease into my tailgate. I got to have three meals out there at the tailgate. (laughs) Save room for some some cookie cake. So I've got a lot to do on a game day, and I prefer a night game. That's just All right, well, you heard it here first. She laid out uh, very articulately, I have to say, (laughs) why... 
8 p.m. kickoffs are better. And I appreciate that, Kelly. All right, let's change gears a little bit here. We're staying with football and actually kind of staying with the theme of ACC Media Day. Uh, if you were going as a football player, uh, would you wear a suit, tie, and, and look super fly? I'm a poet, didn't know it. Or <laughs> uh, would you go with a, that option and be in like, you know, the typical team-issued polo with some khakis? Mm, okay, so if you're going to a media day event, this or that, I would definitely say dress up. Now, would I put on a suit and tie? Probably not, but I would dress up in, <laughs> in my attire. Um, so I think you got to dress up just because, and it's tough to see past this, I'm sure, if you're 19 or 20, but if you want to get into media someday or anything, I mean, you want to make a really good impression. And I'm not going to name the players, but I remember being at media day a couple years ago, and there were a few players for a certain team that they had on polos <laughs> and they had on, I believe one guy had on basketball shorts. I'm not even kidding. Basketball wow. shorts and slides. Mm. And I thought, dude, I mean, first impressions just don't matter to you, I guess. So <laughs> I think you got to dress up and there's nothing wrong with the polo. If your coach is saying, all right, we're going polo. Okay, cool. You can make the polo look more official with some nice pants, whatever. But I would just say first and foremost, Mac, don't wear the slides. Leave the slides at home for a day like media day. I've I know what you're say, doing. Yeah, I've got. I know well, what you're doing. I, you know, I actually have have been to Media Day. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> um, and we were told to wear our team issued polo. Oh. That is one of my biggest regrets ever is not being suited and booted for <laughs> media. I mean, I have so many cool pictures that just would have been so much cooler if I was in a suit. That it's like, oh, okay, he's in a polo, whatever. Um, so I'm all for it. I, I think it kind of changed, maybe. Three or four years ago, where it was like you know cool when it to changed? wear a suit. I think it was the first year that I went with Quok for the radio show. It was Ben Bolware. And ben Bolware showed up in a suit, a jacket and tie, but he had on like khaki pants and he had them rolled into capris. Right. And he had his shirt like unbuttoned to right above his, yeah. his belly button. Like he it was, was looking lot. cool. It, it, was it was a lot. lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I, I have to respect the the swag there. All right, now it's time for the secret question. Again, guys, Kelly has no clue what's coming here. And this is a little bit uh, Coach Mac Brown inspired here. Uh, Kelly, this or that, would you rather be the head coach of your favorite college basketball slash football team? I say basketball because you played basketball. This is a football question. Um, or would you rather be a top analyst for ESPN, like you're on game day, you're on get up, things of that nature. Which one would you rather be? Well, Mac, this is a good question. Now, I would say the monetary ceiling is higher in the coaching realm. Now, there are some analysts that do make that big money, but <laughs> in the coaching world, you can make a lot of money. So you have that, but as I think you've said this too at one point, because once you are done playing, you almost always get the question from someone, oh, do you want to coach? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I saw what me and my teammates put my coaches through. I don't want to have to deal with that. And I don't want my livelihood decided by 18 to 22 year old kids. No offense to those kids, but they can make crazy decisions. So I'm definitely going to go with being an analyst. Also, that's what I'd love to do. So I'd go with that. But the money, Mac, you got to think about the money on the coaching side. That's right. It's not bad. I'm with you, though. I, I want to be the uh, that top analyst. How cool would that be? Each and every week, you get to go somewhere new, somewhere different, just experience all of these 
you know, game day atmospheres from a very much so less stress environment. Oh, yeah. And you're just there to so talk about lied. what happens. You have nothing <laughs> about it. So I, I'm with you. So we, we have a couple of analysts here. We'll leave the coach and the coach Brown, and, and he does it so well. Guys, what a fun episode. Thank you again to Jeremy, to Coach Mac Brown for joining us. Uh, it was a really, really fun episode. Excited for next week. I kind of gave you a hint Stay who's tuned. coming on the show. Uh, I'm sure you guys can figure it out. But this episode, again, produced by our great friend, Richmond Weaver. If you guys have uh, some some needs for podcasts, he has it. He has interviewed so many great people and just had his 150th episode with the one and only Sarah Spain. Go check that out. It was such a great episode. Uh, really fun stuff what Richmond is doing. But that's it. Another great episode. Gramlick and MacLean. we always appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't already, go to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little rating, write us a kind of, you know, complimentary kind of <laughs> whatever review. Uh, but until next time, we'll see y'all.